Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! When I first came back, many of you will be familiar with this feeling when you read something on Instagram or on Facebook and then you go through like a, a spiral, right? You read one thing and then from that read the other thing and then suddenly uh, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram knows the algorithm to what you're reading and researching and then you get many more suggestions and then at the end you're like on Reddit reading like conspiracy theories. <laughs> and so when I first came back, um, yeah, that was what happened to me essentially. I was... Um, um, just reading um, and scrolling through Instagram and I found this one post from um, John Steingart who is um, lead singer of Hawk Nelson and many of you um, may not have heard of him but he this is a Christian band and and he has been the lead singer of Hawk Nelson for like 10-15 years now and he had, was born and raised in the church his parents are pastors and leaders and he's like very much in the Christian environment and his post essentially um, said um, that he has decided to leave the faith and that he is not um, a believer anymore. And when I read this, um, it was quite, um, I don't know why it tugged so many strings in my heart. Um, and it was a very well-written post, you should definitely check it out. Um, and one of the things that um, he said um, that he couldn't reconcile was, if God was so good, if God was so loving and so kind, why is that evil in the world? And I know that just got really heavy. Um, <laughs> and uh, But yeah, bear with me. And so I started to read more and more, and when YouTube learned my algorithm, there was loads of videos of interviews uh, with famous pastors and Christian leaders about why in the past few years there have been many Christian celebrities that have come out saying, I don't believe in God anymore, um, come out saying, I don't, um, yeah, I don't have faith anymore, essentially. And so, um, so it, it made me research a lot more about these things. And there are many reasons people leave the faith. There are many pe reasons people leave the church. Um, but there are two big camps when you think about it. And one of it is um, in that people have been hurt by the church. Now, that's not what I want to talk about today. Uh, it's a very heavy topic, but a very real one indeed. Um, and <laughs> let's hope I'm not the one who talks about it in the future. Um, <laughs> because it is a difficult conversation. But I don't want to dismiss it that it's not a real issue. But we'll put that aside um, at the moment. The other big issue, there's a plane flying now, but I think I'm louder than it. So <laughs> let's go with it. Um, the other big camp of thought that actually um, many people... <sighs> Are stumbled by or many people leave the church by is really this question. Um, it's a question of theology, it's a question um, about God's um, character and one of the questions is if God is so good then why is there evil in the world? Why is there pain in the world? Why are there uh, struggles in the world? If God is so good why is there tragedies in the world? And many people can't reconcile that a good God um, will cause allow tragedy, a good God will a good God will allow pain. Marty Sampson, the Hill song um singer songwriter who also left oh sorry, I meant to say there are many other famous celebrities that also have left the faith, some of them being Marty Sampson's uh, Hill song singer songwriter. Um and also uh many of you will be familiar with him, Joshua Harris, who is the author of I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um he you know has retracted his book, he has now left the faith, he says he no longer believes in God. And for all of them, many of them have been hurt by the church and the other big thought that they all have is, if God is so good, why is that evil in the world? Now, you can understand why I would be nervous um, if God has laid something like this in my heart. Because 
I don't think there is a very clear-cut answer to these things. And I'm not going to attempt to answer that question. What, what it really, reading all these things, what God really um, questioned, what, what question really came up in my heart was this. What is the goodness of God? What does that mean? And it brought me back to a message that I spoke and shared with our ex-Edinburgh family um, maybe one and a half years ago, um, the beginning of 2019, when the theme of the church was good. And, um, you know, before taking the church through a year of discovering what God's goodness mean, I wanted to know myself what it meant. And, and many of you <laughs> in London and Bristol have been so blessed by Pastor Dave um, having so many messages. He's so creative. Um, every message was titled Good Something. And I think I only managed to title three of my messages of the year like Good Something because I just could not name um, <laughs> it was just very difficult to name uh, everything good. So Pastor Dave was super creative and super on it. Um, but in the beginning of the year, I took the church on the journey of, of with myself, really, really tapping into what the goodness of God means. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, you know, in Psalms, I think it's 34 and 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when I say that to you, what feelings does it bring up in you? I just take, take a moment to think about it. For me, when I think, when I say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, the feeling that comes to me is like, um, like wrapped in cotton candy, like butterflies and sunshine and rainbows and unicorns, like, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, feels, yeah, like that, like very fluffy cotton candy and everything's very happy and amazing. And many of you will relate to that feeling. Many of you know that God's goodness, feel, sorry, feel God's goodness when everything is right in life, when you um, get a new job or when you get promotion or when you get, I don't know, married or when you get uh, something, when you get a child, when something you've been waiting for gets given to you, when you feel so blessed, when there's healing, you feel, oh God, it's so good. Um, and when I say that and describe that, for some of you, at this very moment, you'll be looking at the computer and looking at the screen and thinking, well, it's been a long time since I've felt butterflies and rainbow and sunshine when I think about God's goodness because I don't feel it right now. For another camp of you, you'll be like, what does that even feel like? I've never felt that feeling. Um, for some of you, you'll be like, is God really good? Um, if there's so much pain in the world, is God really good? Um... And, you know, um, Don Smith, who is a writer, said, I was thinking, you know, what, what is the definition of God's goodness? And he said this, that man cannot adequately define the goodness of God because we are inclined to explain our notion of his goodness by what seems good to us. That's what I, uh, that's what I was getting at when, you know, when you think about God being good, taste and see that the Lord is good, much of your description of that goodness will be from things, um, from your definition of good, from my definition of good, from when I'm blessed, when things go my way, when I receive, um, that that's what feels like it's God's goodness. But I, I my thought about this, my um, where I'm coming from with this is that there is more to God's goodness than just the blessing and 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 the receiving essentially, um, and and just. We'll take you through that uh, with two thoughts, really. Um, and we'll look at some <laughs> parts of the Bible while we do this. So the first one, if you turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 1, uh, actually, Genesis chapter 3, and many of you will be familiar with both the stories that we're going through. Um, so the beginning is the story of creation. And in Genesis chapter 1, there is... Um, 
is full of goodness. Every day that God created, everything that God created, God saw this and said that it was good. And, you know, in Genesis chapter 2, um, why am I taking so long to find Genesis? Okay, <laughs> the front of your Bible, if you forgot. Um, and in Genesis chapter 2, God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. So God created um, Eve, uh, a woman, to be um, Adam's companion. And that's where community comes from. That's where family comes from. And God, you know, God was um, prioritiz prioritizing the good in the world. And, and when you look at chapter 3, now let's look at chapter 3, verse 1. And I'll read it for you. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So in Genesis chapter 3, we read about a portion of scripture that in many of your Bibles will be titled The Fall um, or something of, along those lines. And basically it talks about when the serpent, uh, this is such a familiar story, you all know it. And the background behind the story is that Adam and Eve have been created. And, and at this point, everything is, is, is good with the world, right? They have everything that they could possibly imagine, everything that was... Yeah, everything was perfect, there was no sin, um, and anything that they could possibly want was that the, the world was created for them to enjoy. And when the, when the enemy asks this question, on the surface it may just feel like a question of temptation, but bear with me, I will explain it. But the question that he actually asks is actually a direct, a made Eve doubt of the goodness of God. And this, this thought that I'm sharing is written really well by a pastor and a writer, Bob Deffenbrock, who writes for Bible.org. Um, and he, I'm going to read you what he wrote um, and, and, and just see, see um, where he's coming from, okay? So he wrote this. After Adam and Eve ate fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they recognized that they were naked. More is here than appears on the surface. They may have been clothed in a glory that vanished with their eating. At the very least, they acquired an unknown knowledge of nakedness, shame. This was the nat true nature of the knowledge of good and evil of which God had warned. Satan had represented it as something desirable, which God was withholding from them. But in reality, this good that they thought was being withheld was actually shame, grief, sadness, regret, heartbreak and death. The lie was not that they would know good and evil after eating this fruit. The lie from the enemy that was that they were somehow and in some way lacking. And I don't know whether it's hit you yet at the moment, but when I read that for the first time, I was like, wow, that is so, so good. What it's saying is that when the enemy said to Adam and uh, to Eve, you will surely not die, you will become, you will gain wisdom and become like God. He wasn't really selling um, that, oh, wisdom is, you know, like when you sell an iPhone or something, you're like, oh, this thing is so good. He wasn't really selling that, oh, you need to know good and evil because good and evil um, is, 
yeah, really amazing and things like that. It wasn't that he, he was selling to them that they were in some way lacking. And keep in mind the context of this situation. They were in no way lacking. Um, but, but the enemy tempted them to doubt that God was good and that God was like withholding something good from them. But in reality, when they ate the fruit, what happened? They became shameful. To know that amount of good, you need to know evil. And when, you know, the enemy made it look to them that they were in some way lacking. But the reality is, God was being good to them in his prohibition. And Bob, De Bob Deffenbach writes this, um, the prohibition from eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was an expression of God's goodness. The enemy made it seem like God was withholding good. But actually, it was the expression of God's goodness to them. Um, when, in order to know the good that God knows, you need to see that, you would need to see the evil. And God was with uh, keeping them from that evil. And that is good, keeping them from that evil and that pain and that shame and that regret. And death was the good thing. But... The enemy made it seem like God is withholding and it immediately made Eve doubt that God is actually good, that God was giving them everything that they could possibly have. It made Eve and Adam, I guess, in, in some way feel like they were lacking. The prohibition, I find what he wrote so, so, so good. The prohibition was an expression of God's goodness. And this is my first point. God, the goodness of God is... Uh, sorry, God is still good even in the prohibition. There is good in the prohibition. Now, as believers, many of you know that in the Bible, there are many things that it says that we cannot do. And many times people, um, you know, sometimes it, you're just like, I don't know why I cannot do it. I don't know why there's this rule. I don't know why there's this prohibition. And many people are rebels. You like to break rules. <laughs> and many of us will come to a stage of our lives where we, you know, because many things in the Bible that are prohibited, it, it's things that feel good to the flesh. And we're just having an honest conversation. That That's true. It's things that make us feel good in the immediate, gives you immediate gratification. Um, but my question and thought that I want to leave with you today that is that there is good in the prohibition. That when God says no to something, when God says in his word, don't do something, to us it might feel like God is withholding something good the way Eve felt and the way Adam felt. But actually, the reality is that sometimes when we do those things, when we, we participate in the prohibition instead, um, we realize in the long run that actually it's not good. The way Adam and Eve, after acquiring that fruit, for that moment, the fruit might have tasted great. I don't know, maybe it was a really great tasting fruit. I have no idea. But in that moment, the immediate gratification was amazing. But the long-term consequences, was it worth it for that moment? And, and there is good in all of God's prohibitions. And so that, 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 that's my first thought that I want to leave with you. Um, you know, for, for Eve, she might not have understood the good in the prohibition at that, might, at that time. Um, she might not have been able to see the bigger picture. But actually, knowing if she just knew in the depths of her heart that God is good, even if she didn't understand everything about that prohibition, she should have trusted that God was good and this prohibition was given out of a good God and a good heart. And that should be us as well. Many times we will not understand why God says no to something or why God closes the door to something or why in the word some theological beliefs that God says no and prohibits. We might not understand those things, but it should be 
okay. It should be enough that we know that God is a God of good character and he has a bird's eye view of the whole world, things that we could not understand and his prohibition is done in good. Um, and that should be more than enough that we trust that God's character is good. So, um, you know, you know, I was talking about the goodness of God and um, it's easy the, to, to see the goodness of God in the fluffy things and the beautiful things and, and, and the blessing and the receiving and the, and the joy and the victory. It's good to see God in the goodness of God in, it's, sorry, it's easy to see the goodness of God in those things. But it's hard to see the goodness of God in things like the prohibitions and the no's in your life. And that's point number one. Uh, thought number one, really, um, that there's a there's God's goodness even in the prohibition. Thought number two is this, and it's based on a very, another very famous story, um, which is the book of Job. So if you turn your Bible to the book of Job, chapter one, um, and I'm just going to paint you a quick picture. Many of you are super familiar with this story. And <laughs> this point, this, this thought that I'm going to leave you that, which is the good in the pain. There is the God is still good even in the pain, even in the suffering, even in the tragedy. As you can imagine, that is harder to explain, harder to talk about. Um, and, you know, I, if I'm completely honest, I think if anybody told you they had the answer for why um, God is still good in the tragedy and God is still good in the pain, I think they might not be right. <laughs> or it, it, it's hard because we don't have... Um, God's perspective, okay, and I'm going to, let's, let's just look at the book of Job, <laughs> so grant me some grace, um, I won't have time to cover every point of pain and tragedy, as you can imagine, but I just wanted to leave us with a little bit of a thought, so book of Job, um, Job was a man who was sinless and blameless, and God was actually super proud of him, to be honest, God was like bragging about him, um, and God was like to the enemy, to the accuser, to Satan, oh look at Job, he's perfect, isn't he, basically, is what God was saying, obviously paraphrase, and, and, and God said that Job, Job was sinless, he was a blameless, righteous man, and the enemy was like, yeah, of course he's blameless, God, you have given him and provided him everything he needs, essentially, the enemy was saying, of course he's blameless, you've been so, so, so good to him, and then God says, okay, you can, um, you can test him, but like, don't touch his own body, and then Job is amazing, and he says, um, this at the end of chapter 1, verse 20. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I come from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. This was after Job lost his um, sons and daughters. Job lost all his possessions and things like that. And, and he, you know, he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. It's a famous song that all of you know. And, and he did not blame God. And then in chapter 2, um, God's like, told you, Satan, not like that, but told you, Satan, um, um, Job still didn't curse me. Um, and Satan was like, yeah, of course, because you protected him, you didn't attack him, blah, blah. And then God was like, okay, fine, you can test him, um, but don't, um, don't kill him, don't take his life. And so, this, uh, and so Satan um, caused him to have um, yeah, painful like boils all around his skin. And, and his wife, women in the room, in the audience, don't be this woman. Um, his wife in verse 9 said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Um, yeah, don't, don't do that. Um, <laughs> and 
but you can understand. You can understand why she did that. They lost everything. Um, and in verse 10, Job was said, he replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Some theology, uh, theologists, the theologians <laughs> have um, uh, a controversial point about this. Because we have the benefit of hindsight, um, we know that the evil did not come from God. The pain and the suffering did not come from God. Was it allowed by God? Yes. But did it come and was it given by God? No. And so many people argue that Job's theology was quite flawed here because he said things like the Lord gave and the Lord take away, but actually the Lord didn't take away. And when he said, shall we accept good from God and not trouble, not evil? Um, technically speaking, God didn't give the evil. So some people bring up this contention. And from chapter 3 to chapter 37, which is like a 36 chapter rant about <laughs> Job and his friends had a 36-7 chapter conversation about um, what was going on. And it was basically Job on one, there was two camps of thought. Job on one hand was saying that he is a blameless and sinless man and God is just giving him and attacking him with evil. God is not being kind. Uh, he was essentially insinuating to the fact that God was not good to him in that time. And there was no reason for God to not be good uh, because Job had been sinless. And was he right that he was sinless? Yeah, he was because God said that as well. Um, and Job didn't understand why God was um, giving, why, why God, why he was experiencing this pain and this evil. On the other hand, his friends were on the other camp of train of thought, and they were saying, like, well, um, you must be essentially, obviously, the wrong rant. And sometimes when I read it, I'm like, please stop talking. Um, <laughs> and uh, one, one, Job's camp of thought was that God was giving him evil and he didn't know why. The other camp of thought that his friends had was, you must be sinful. Somewhere in this story, you are a sinful man. And Job was like, no, I'm telling you, I'm not sinful. And the friends were like, you must be sinful. God is punishing you. That is where this is coming from. Um, and we know in chapter 38 itself, God responds. Okay, And both of them, both group of people had some right arguments about God, some of the statements that they made about God were true. But actually, both their underlying thought about why Job was experiencing these things were false. Um, and, in, and in chapter 38, God finally responds. And so if you turn your Bible there, God finally responds uh, to them. And you know, God, as always, um, <laughs> he, you know, Job just wanted, Job actually asked God to turn up, explain to me why I'm having evil, explain to me why I'm experiencing these bad things. And the Lord turns up and instead of saying, or, um, giving any theological explanation of why this evil uh, was happening or why this pain was happening to Job, God says this in verse 4, 38 verse 4, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? And... And go on, tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind the doors? And it goes on and on and on and on. And instead of answering the question directly, the Lord says to 
Job, in one way or another, he describes how, um, ask Job, do you know how the world was created? Do you know when the deer gives birth? I, I think I mixed it up. Um, <laughs> he talks about the animals. Do you know when uh, the stars, the sea, the moon, the sky, everything, the beings in the world, do you know how they operate is what God is saying. And what God is implying from that is, look, Job, you don't know half of how the world is run. You don't know half of how I do things. You weren't there when I created the world. You weren't there when these things happened. How? You don't understand how the world runs. Who are you to make these claims that this is why pain and tragedy happens? Who are you to say that I'm giving you evil for the sake of giving you evil? And with your friends, exactly as well. Who are you to say that because you sinned, I'm punishing you because you don't understand half of what goes on on this planet, half of what goes on on this world you sh essentially shouldn't be making statements that explain um, all these things. And in verse chapter 40, um, um, Job answered the Lord in verse 4, I am unworthy, how can I reply you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job again. <laughs> and he's like, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Um, and in verse 8, he said, would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me? to justify yourself. I find that very sobering, very humbling. Would you condemn me? Would you condemn God to justify yourself? I think, um, and, and God goes on to talk even more that just points out to us that we don't know half of how the world operates. We don't know what goes on in the world. Only God has that God shot, that eagle eye, bird eye view of the world. How would we know half of what happens in the world? How would we understand that? And I think that's so sobering because many times we try to explain um, tragedy. We try to explain the problem of pain. We try to explain why these things happen. But do we really know? Because we don't understand half of what goes on in the world, um, how, the, how the world operates. And only God knows. Um, and what came out of all these things? What came out of all this tragedy? Yeah, sure, um, at the end, God was so, so good. He restored everything to Job. Um, he gave Job a double fold of everything that he had. Um, and But what I find so precious in this situation is um, Job 42, verse 5. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you, is what Job said. My ears had heard of you. Job was saying that in the past, I had heard of you. I knew about you. But now my eyes have seen you. And through this tragedy, I'm not, hear me out, I'm not saying that God, uh, I, we don't know. We have the benefit of the God, like the bigger picture to know that actually it wasn't God who gave the evil. It was the enemy because the enemy, actually it was God who was so proud of Job um, that this happened. And although... We, I cannot explain a lot of why tragedy happens. There was good that came out of this story and there was good that came out of this tragedy. One good is that God added double-fold everything, which is amazing in itself. But to me, what seems like the bigger good um, is that my Job says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And in the, through this pain, through the pain that Job um, um, experienced, through the heartbreak that Job experienced, he instead of just knowing things about God, now he has seen God and he understands God a little bit better. 
I know it's a difficult concept and I will be the first to admit that I've never really experienced like tragedy. I've ever experienced pain, yeah, heartbreak, yeah, uh, shame, regret, all these things, yeah. Tragedy per se, I've never really experienced. Um, but I would like to believe, even when I don't understand many of it, even when I don't understand a lot of things about it, I like to believe that God is still good. Uh, in the pain and the heartbreak that I've experienced in my life, I, I know that to be true. You know, I was telling Pastor Cat that I felt a bit guilty <laughs> in my last sermon online uh, because I was, um, you know, sharing a point about how we should worship God even if God doesn't add anything unto us. And so I shared about my past five years of uni and some of the struggles that I experienced. And while I left out um, my accomplishments and successes from those story, that story, um, because my point was exactly that we should still praise God uh, even when he doesn't give us anything. Um, actually, the truth is um, that, you know, through everything that I've experienced, I have never been shortchanged ever. And I don't think, and my God is so good that I don't think he will ever shortchange you in whatever you're doing, in whatever you experience. It does take time sometimes to see him add things back to you, but God has added so much to me and I don't need to go into detail for all those about all those things. Those of you who know me know that God has been so, so, so good to me and coordinating the plant has been the biggest privilege of my life. Um, and I've been so blessed um, in my life, in med school, with my job and things like that. Um, but um, the other bigger good that I feel that I've got through that situation and everything that's gone on in my life is... Not so much, the adding on to me is amazing. Trust me, I received the blessing with open arms, double portion even, I believe. But the bigger thing that happened is I now understand or see a little bit more of God, understand God a little bit more, um, not perfectly. And God sees us to be God if we understand everything about God. God sees us to be um, all unknowing and 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 the the. He sees us to be God if we know everything and understand everything. So sometimes there are things that we will not be able to understand. With these two things in mind, these two thoughts in mind, that God is good even in the prohibition and that God is good even in the pain, as we draw to a close, there's some similarities between both the stories that we have read. Similarity number one, in both cases, they doubted God. Eve was doubted God's goodness when she when the enemy asked her that question, and that's why she ate of the fruit, because she felt in some way lacking. Job doubted God, and he ran to God and to his friends, and as he worked it out, he doubted that God was good. He thought God gave him evil, um, and God gave him that pain. And the thing is, I want to highlight one thing that brings me back to my story initially about people leaving the faith and having doubts about a God that is good. It is okay to doubt. Eve and Job both doubted God. Um, but Job did it the right way. I think he went to God in prayer and he talked to his friends about it and he discussed it. He didn't just react to it, um, which is what Eve, on the other hand, did. Um, she reacted to it and she gave in to that doubt. Job, on the other hand, gave in in a way in his thought, but he never cursed God. He instead ranted about it to God. And it's okay that you don't feel that God is good in every moment of your life. That's what I really wanted to highlight. Doubt. Honestly, uh, an Instagram user, random Instagram user said this, doubt is the best thing that has happened to my faith. And I 100% agree. I, I think um, doubt when handled correctly causes you to think. 
um, and you don't have to, my, my advice to a lot of people who come to see, talk to me about things like this, is that you don't have to make your decision today. You don't have to decide today that, oh, you doubt God and hence today I now don't believe in God. You don't have to do that. that faith is a journey and it is healthy and okay to doubt. But do it in the right way. Do it the way Job um, did. And um, and the, the point number two, another similarity in both these stories, no matter how you handle your doubt about God's goodness, in both these stories, God responded to them in love, in goodness. In um, in the book, uh, in Genesis, it for Adam and Eve, um, God went into the garden to look for them. God said, where are you? And we know that God definitely knew where they were. Um, a, a writer writes this, because of the shame Adam and Eve felt, their first act was to try to cover themselves. They attempted this by sewing fig leaves together, fashioning clothing. Books and books could be written about this. It was a representative act of what every human being does when we try to cover sin, try to excuse failure and to rationalize evil. Yet, God went to them and said, where are you? God went to seek them even when they obviously um, openly um, uh, disobeyed him and doubted his goodness. Yet, God went to them. He left the 99 to look for the one. He is the God who will run after you even if you give in to your doubt, even if you doubt his goodness and then um, disobey him or anything like that. Even if you give in to that doubt, God will run after you. And in the same way, in the book of Job, um, God listened to his rant. And yeah, God didn't show up and answer. Okay, this is why pain happens. Dot, dot, dot. He didn't say that. But what did he, in love, he thought and showed more of himself to, showed more of himself to Job. He thought, Job, that, hey, I am the creator of the universe. I see things in ways you don't see things. And he let Job experience a little bit more of what it means to be in this journey and faith. On, on top of that, he obviously added a double portion back to Job. And he still commended Job for his faith, even though Job had um, some wrong theology and understanding about God at that time. But yet God still said in the end of the book of Job, I can't remember the words right now, but he still said that uh, he still thought that Job was good and perfect and blameless and sinless. And and, and that that's, that is the God that we serve, a God that is good even when we fail him and even when we um, lose sight of him. And... The other similarity between both these stories is this. I think that God had, in both stories, had a bird's eyes view of the, of the world. God knew the reason God can be good and we can trust that he's good is because we also know that he has um, the whole view of the universe, that he uh, knows everything that is happening and everything that is going on. And so, you know, sometimes when I, when I was, I just re recently reread the book of Job and in the middle of Job's rant, right, when he was saying that God gave me this evil, da da da, sometimes I look, I think to myself, oh Job, if only you knew, if only you knew that God didn't give you that evil. In fact, the only reason you're experiencing this evil because God was so proud of you for being so blameless. God was so proud of you for being so righteous. Um, and and I, the whole time I'm like, Job, you would definitely stop ranting by now if you knew that God was so proud of you. That that was That's why we're here in this problem. Um, and if only you knew, Job, and if only you knew, and with Adam and Eve, you know, I sometimes think God must have been like, oh, if only you knew how much you have been, would have, how much pain you would have not needed to experience if you trusted in my goodness, trusted that you weren't lacking. And sometimes I think God 
thinks that about us, you know, in the moments that we doubt his goodness and either we react to it like Eve did or, 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 or we are doubting and ranting about it to someone else uh, like Job did. Sometimes I feel like God is looking down at us and being like, oh, my dear precious daughter, if only you knew that there is so much good that will come out of this. Um, you know, when, uh, when you lose a job, if only you knew that this closed door is another perfect open door for you. It's the door I want you to go. If only you knew that this heartbreak today is because I have something better in store for you. If only you knew the rejection today is because I have something better in store for you tomorrow. Um, I find in our frustration, in our, in our disappointment, I sometimes think that God is looking down at us being like, if only you knew, my child, what I have in store for you if only you knew the good I have in store for you um, and um, so as we close I just wanted um, us to have um, a, a view of God's goodness you know now when I say the worst Psalms 34 was it oh taste and see that the Lord is good I still feel those same feelings I still feel butterflies and cotton candy and just being wrapped and embraced by the Lord but it is a more um knowing embrace if that makes sense slightly more not perfect um but it is a knowing that you know in all the things I receive and I'm blessed with God is good in all the things that God prohibits me from and all the things that God looks at me and say, Rachel, no, not this one, not right now, not this job, not this guy, not this thing. Um, in all those prohibitions, even in the prohibitions in the word, like do not kill and do not murder and all those things, um, I do not kill and murder is the same thing. Anyway, <laughs> even in all those things, I know that God is good um, and I want to trust that God is good, even in the pain I trust that God is good and I will admit upfront some pain is easier to process than the other and I'm not saying I have the answer to everything but I know and trust I want to trust that God is good and he has a bird's eye view uh, of all that goes on in the world and I trust that he is good and I am nowhere close to him all I see with my two lenses are the circle that is around me but God sees the entire universe he is all-knowing understanding and I not I will not un, uh, attempt to explain why tragedy happens but I want to trust that even through those tragedies even through the pain if the problem of pain will never disappear but even through the pain God is good and he will work all things out um, for good for those who love him you know in um, Genesis 50 Joseph tells his brother you meant what you meant for evil God turned it for his good and to achieve his purposes, which is where the line of the songs God, even what the enemy meant for evil, God turns it for our good and for our glory, for for our good and for his glory. Um, <laughs> for it, God can turn everything that the enemy meant for evil, the problem of pain um, um, and sin and all those things, God can turn what the enemy meant for evil for his good. So I pray that as you uh, you know, um, as you sing about God's goodness, as you read verses like, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, it will be a deeper understanding of what good means. And if you in your life right now don't feel like God is good, that's okay. It's okay to feel like God is not good. Um, bring your rants and your thoughts and your anxieties to God, but also trust that even though you don't feel a certain way at the moment, you know for a fact 
that he is. You have maybe experienced God's goodness in the past, you know from his word and you believe it to be true. You might not see the good in the situation right now, but that doesn't mean that he is not good. It's just that we don't have the vision that God has. We don't see things the way God sees. In this season of quarantine, um, well, this whole COVID season, you know, with everything going on, I feel like the goodness of God is so much more important to be reminded about. I love that we went through the goodness of God last year as a church. Um, and, you know, when the whole COVID thing started, um, there was only one song that was playing in my heart. Um, and it was the song called Goodness of God by Jen Johnson. Um, and I don't have any instruments <laughs> to play it for you. It's all in the UK. Um, and, there, you know, there are many beautiful parts of this uh, song. Uh, and you can listen to it later. And the first verse says, All my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing God, I will sing of the goodness of God. And then the next verse says this, which I'll sing to you, hopefully. I love your words. You have led me through the fire and darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. And I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. And the reason I sang that to you, that word specifically, is because it says, You have led me through the fire, and in darkest nights you have been close like no other. Those are the things, the fire. And in the darkest nights is where sometimes God feels not so good. And it then says, I've known you as a father, father that corrects, a father that prohibits. I've known you as a friend, a friend that walks with you through the pain and through the tragedy. And it says, the last line is my favorite, that I have lived in the goodness of God. And I pray that you can say in your life, no matter what stage, this, this, is, this is my thought about the situation as, we, as I close. No matter where you are in your moment of life right now, we've all been in moments of life where we doubt God's goodness. But no matter where you are in that moment, I pray that that moment won't affect what... That moment won't define God's goodness in your life. I pray that you will still be able to stand and say, you know what, at this moment... I don't feel like God is so, so good. But I can confidently say that I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I can confidently say that I have lived in the goodness of God. I believe it to be true. You, you have, you are, and you always be, will be living in the goodness of God in your life, even when you might not feel it, like it in the current moment. But I pray, you know, if you are struggling to believe that God is good, just remind yourself today, I have lived in the goodness of God. The prohibition, the pain, God is still good in all those things. Just wait it out, bring your rants to Him and declare again, I have, I am and I will always be living in the goodness of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for you are good. You are a good, good father. You are a good, good friend. And Lord, many of us... <laughs> may not understand fully what your goodness means and that's fine that's okay because God we understood fully uh anything if there was if we understood fully everything there is in the world then you cease to be God 
But God, I pray, give us a glimpse a little bit more into what it means to be good. I pray that we will begin to think more and more about the goodness of God. We will begin to think and embrace it a little bit more. And Lord, I pray, oh God, Father, for so much more of you. God, I pray, God, that we will be reminded today that we have, we are, and we will always be living in your goodness. May no life go home today unchanged or untouched, or even just if it's a question about your goodness. Lord, I pray um, um, that we'll begin to think more and more about you and about things uh, like this. Um, yeah, so I thank you, God, that you're a God who's so good. I pray, Father, for a good week over every person's life today, and may we know more and more of your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.